So, one of the questions that occasionally one gets asked is, what what is this awareness stuff? What is awareness? Where do you? What's the Pali word for it? Where is it? <laughs> is it in your body? In your head? Is it in your heart? It's a mystical thing. It's actually everywhere. So, but normally this this is awareness that um, is associated with two particular uh, channels. Uh, One is the channel called consciousness, vijnana. And consciousness is generally awareness of a sight, sound, thought, aware of a thought. Now, when you say I'm aware of a sight, you can't really find awareness as something you can say, there's definitely a thing there. But the quality of seeing and the clarity of it and the fact that you're affected by it tells you you're aware of seeing, you're aware of hearing, you're of of thought. So there's awareness plus some sense input. This is called consciousness, yeah. Now, the, but then also the channel of consciousness can brings feeling into play. Feeling, and the feeling comes through one particular form of consciousness called mind consciousness, manovinyana, manovinyana, or manas for short. And manas is a great little gadget. Because what the body wants to know is whether that thing out there is going to hurt me or whether it's enjoyable. And I don't know until I touch it, by which time it might be too late. So the manus thinks, oh, that looks like an apple to me, or it looks like a bomb. Yeah. So, so the manus interprets before something comes too close. This is a great system. And because when it interprets, it gets something called a perception or sanya, a meaning, that's a bomb. Now, if you're only three years old, you might not know that. You might get blown up. But, uh, right, so this manas has to acquire a whole library of, of perceptions. And to make those perceptions um, uh, something that really grabs you, because if it's, you better know one way or another, it touches something we call chitta or heart and so the touching of that is called contact oh right and then with contact and perception comes a feeling oh agreeable pleasant and with that comes a response response is called sankara it's an activation oh interested oh no problem, let it be, frightening, and so on, sankara. So, so then you get this form called sankara. And we can be aware of that because citta is also in the awareness, has its own has awareness to it. And it's aware of the feeling. It's aware of the stimulation. So whereas consciousness is aware of objects out there, sights, sounds, thoughts, which we seem to have our distant from, particular discrete objects. Awareness is, is uh, chitta, is, is awareness, is, is not, it's actually activated, it, it trembles. Yeah. So with chitta, 
you get this sense of something moving, shifting, feeling shifts, responses shift. So the awareness aspect of chitta is very much more attuned to response, feeling, and that that energy that moves. Uh, It's getting its messages from (laughs) a couple of bases. One is the mind base, which I've already described. It's getting its messages from that. This is a profound degree of input, because at any given moment we can think about the future, politics, geography, our parents, what I'm going to have for dinner, whether people like me, and we can even beyond thinking, we can be haunted by perceptions of feeling I've got to do a lot, or feeling inadequate, or feeling people don't like me, or feeling I should be something that I am. These are all perceptions, and these are all can be running in the chitta. Because the chitta doesn't just have the immediate input of the here and now, it also contains the various messages um, that have been loaded from perhaps circumstances, daily life, upbringing and so forth. So anyway, jitta is timeless. And its responses, its actions, also become habitual. We get compulsive, compulsively busy, compulsively lazy, compulsively worried, compulsively you know, whatever whatever comes up, you know, and these are these sankharas, the jitta sankharas, they get compulsive and they habituate. And as they get established, then that becomes a big part of your identity. It's established around jitta sankara. The things that I always do, you know, if I'm here, I do all the washing up. If I'm there, I do the washing up. <laughs> you, you know, because that's kind of what I got used to. I'm a busy person, so I get busy. I'm a person who feels they can't, not very good at anything, so therefore I feel flummoxed wherever I go. These are very simple. Most people have got very complex jitta-sankharas, refined responses to social conditions and circumstances, responses to individuals, responses to their children, responses to their parents, responses to strangers, they have whole complexes of different responses that all form them so we our identity is a very fluid but habitual um, program called ahankara ahankara is 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 the name for this eye forming forming eye and this is generally the weave of the jitta sankaras yeah no, so what's this got to do with awareness? Well, we can be, a, you know, there can be a awareness of that, and but, but the nature of jitta because it activates the awareness is actually dealing with something that's very active. And even though we can recognise it, we can't put any necessarily any uh, decisive input that will deal with this. You know, if I feel. Uh, guilty, feeling inadequate, then what do I do about that? Because it's nothing to do with people out there, it's to do with something in here. How do I, how do I resolve this? Yeah. <laughs> how do I come out of it? Do I ask somebody to tell me 
forgive me or make me feel good or what and then if they do maybe I, I still carry it because it's not it's not it's not dependent upon present input it's, it's dependent upon a personal acquisition or residue called upadi you know these residues you know, that become the basis of our identity and so what do you how do you clear that well you, you actually got to sense it as it is rather than project it into present day circumstances this is not so easy uh, because you know you can be aware of it but you're not necessarily able to change the track what it's doing this is where awareness has to be uh, developed steered moderated to arrive at clear knowing which is called jnana jnana so vinyana becomes jnana no no you know it becomes not about sense input but about awareness freeing itself from these defective programs and input now the role of the body in all this uh, which i tend to talk about quite a bit because in terms of the body as i've mentioned you have the obviously the physical body which is subject to physical sensation and disease and all that kind of thing and uh, that's a that's a sense base but you always have this course called the internal body or the subtle body the subtle body is the weave of all these kaya sankaras so just as jitta sankara can have uh, various uh, complex network of of how i respond to this and that and this and that and when i feel tired and when i feel lost or where do i get my security where, where do i feel uneasy where do i feel happy with people where do i feel nervous with people how do i moderate all that so you've got a lot of programs dealing with that and kaya sankara you also have a series of uh, uh, it's a web because it's covering um, not just physical sensation but also it's covering the messages it's get it's getting from the heart the jitta so again this is pretty essential so if the jitta sees something dangerous it wants the body to jump <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so in this way you have an internal body this kaya these are kaya sankara network whether to jump or to fight or to run or to faint you know so we get these fight flight faint um, strategies for example when there's threat close down hide or get aggressive or look out for some help or whatever you do whatever happens in that reactive moment these are kaya sankara programs so those will evoke different physical responses won't they if you want to hide you'll get small if you want to fight you get big and aggressive you harden up around your shoulders and let's look at something more positive we see something we feel happy with our face lights up and we open up oh there's so and so lovely to see her you know your face energy goes into your face and your chest opens because that's the area that's really you're going to meet people with right a sense of shining face and it's a kaya sankara it goes into your body 
feel guilty, you start to get a bit nervous, how do I get out of here, I've done something wrong, oh dear, you know, this face kind of goes a bit like a mask. <laughs> so these, there's very, so this is all these networks of Kaiosan Karats immediately <laughs> channeling Jitta Sankara messages, right? So that's one very significant form of input. Uh, yeah, and this covers the entire body because any part of our body might need to be activated in response to that heart message. However, also the kaya sankara, the bodily energy, the bodily formation, the subtle body picks up signals from the physical body as well. Oh, that's hot, drop it, it reflexes. You stand up, the ground's not steady, be careful. So you don't, you know, so the body begins to brace itself against falling over. Yeah. Uh, so you also have input from the body itself, the physical body has these reflexes. We don't even, we don't certainly have to think about it. Uh, many of these reflexes happen before we, they're just immediate reactions. So it also gets input from the physical body. So, so okay, okay. Now this sounds complicated, but essentially, when you're practicing you know, meditation, you start to contact the physical body as a way to turn your kaya, your your input, towards what's happening physically, not emotionally. So breathing in and breathing out is a physical process. Okay, standing is a physical process. Walking is a physical process. So, and we get into that. We we adopt these physical processes that are actually are very soothing and steadying and reliable and require very little effort to enact them. They're not complicated. Everybody can breathe. Standing does require, you know, legs, but not everybody can do that, but many people can. Uh, walking, again, something that most of us can do, and it really get into how the body walks, stands in itself. And when, so, because of the nature of the of the re- react relationship between the subtle body and the physical body, is that. It searches for and it finds where does the physical body feel least stressed, most balanced. And that will be the the default interest. It doesn't want to have stress. It wants to have, where do I sit down so I feel, ah, that's it, relaxed. Yeah. How do I walk where I feel most fluid and comfortable, not scrambling and dense and tight? So the body, the subtle body has this message that it's trying to also fulfill apart from whatever the emotions are doing we're trying to tune into that not because necessarily you want to be champion breathers or fantastic standers but because once you turn into that for that moment you're slightly disengaging from the mental psychological input gives you a perspective now the nature of awareness is it covers body all experience. So right? 
anything you experience is is in awareness. You can't find awareness as a separate thing, but it's the medium that allows us to experience things. So now awareness is sensing, oh, there's a sort of physical body's quite comfortable and steady, and some emotional anxiety going on. Okay, there's that. Now, so holding those together, feeling anxious, but I'm standing, feeling worried, but I'm breathing. Where is the harmony? Just that open question. So we tend to tune in to the harmonious mood that comes when the body is actually in its most balanced, fluid state. There's a quality of balance and ease and effort, you know, very minimal effort required. We tune into that message that's coming from the body. The heart listens to that. Oh, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. Because that then is able to act as a mediator for the various amounts of emotional stagnation, sorrow, depletion, stress that's occurring. And then helps it to discharge. And so and all that's held within awareness, we're aware of that. And mindfulness keeps us on topic. And mindfulness keeps awareness on topic with the whole package of what's going on. Yeah. Now you must be very careful with attention. As we all know, attention manasikara darts off towards things in the future, towards sights, sounds, things I've got to do, shopping lists, gadgets, alarms, people coming. So it darts off. It gets used to darting off. Our attention span, because our attention, manasikara, is actually a function of manas. The mind, or the mind consciousness, whose job is to constantly track what's going on and give a signal. If you're in the jungle and you're looking around, that's, that looks like a tiger. Whoops, manas gives you that signal. So manas, is, that's its job. Attention, the job of attention is to scan the other senses and keep reporting. It becomes a job that it does pretty much constantly. Yeah. And, and of course, and this doesn't just involve sights and sounds, it also involves things we remember. So at any given moment, our attention can be captured by regrets, anticipations, passions, cravings, habits, what I am, what I'm not, identity, identity issues, and download that into the jitta, which then goes, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> so your attention has to be mastered. Yeah. And the nature of attention is also, it scans, it also tends to fixate. That's the target. That's the one we want. It does that. It holds. It scans. Forget that. That's no use. That doesn't matter. This one is what I really want to be with. So it does this focusing thing. Uh, it's a fixation. And it feeds on what you fixate upon. Dinner, 
music, um, threat. There's that, keep an eye on it. Then it downloads that signal. Uh, and so we're going to be really aware of that that potential to get locked onto phenomena that are purely mentally created, since it spans all the all the bases, including itself. So you can get stuck with an obsessive thought that it locks onto, and it's stuck onto it. And you, and you don't like it, but it's stuck onto it, and you try to figure out why you're thinking about that and how you can stop thinking about that, and what's the answer to it. Or you get a sense of doubt. I don't know if I can really do this practice. I don't know if I really follow all this. It's a bit complicated. I'm not a fun person. You get fixated on that. Yeah. And so then the jitter gets the input from that. It fixates. And it fixates... <laughs> in line with with identity this is what's important for me (laughs) it fixates in accordance with identity this is what i did five years ago fixate this is what i want to be next week fixate on that this is what other people think of me fixate on that (laughs) right this is the way i compare myself with others fixate on that it fixates it obsesses so attention must be mastered it also has a particular energy to it, which is gripping. It's got a passion to it. Yeah. Now, we're careful how we use that, that attention. Not just in terms of topics, but even in terms of its energy. Because it's, it tends to fixate. And one of the... Um, messages we might say that we hold about meditation which i tend to question meditation is fixate your attention on a particular point do that get there that's called concentration fixate your attention on a particular point on your body that's called concentrating um no (laughs) well it may be called concentrating in english but that's not what samadhi is well, okay, we unwrap, unpack that, but it's not a it's not a manas experience. Samadhi arises from a heart experience of feeling comfortable, and rather than fixating in that way, we receive. We're held by it. It's less intense. It's more something saturates us. So we're held by samadhi rather than holding it. We're held by the fruitful, profitable energies of the citta as it settles. We're held by that. The citta holds us together better than we do. What does that involve? It means primarily we listen, we tune in, we pick up where there's wholesome energy of body or heart or thought. The primary one is it heart quality. Is it comfortable? Is it steady? Now, no object that you can grab through attention with your mind will necessarily do that. 
because the message behind attention is try to do that try to hold that try to stay with that keep doing that there's a certain pressure and a feeling we have to make pressure we have to hold in order to get where we need to go which may work in worldly terms now what about (laughs) and then you're aware of trying and how does that feel right effort maybe but there's another kind of trying that could be less constricted less pressurized trying to listen more thoroughly trying to be a little more open trying to sense what's going on trying to trust and relax a little bit more while staying present trying to uplift that which is truly beautiful your gladness your inspiration, your faith, lingering in it. This is a profitable kind of trying. And rather than seizing on a particular sense object, we taste, we drink in that which is skillful. So there's much more receptive process than an aggressive process. It's a receptive process rather than a holding process. And that... <laughs> But the perhaps the interesting revelation that can come with that is rather than holding, I'm feeling held. Oh. What's holding me is the positive qualities of Kaya Sankara and Jitta Sankara when they come into harmony. That's what holds you. And it doesn't have an identity to it. In fact, identification gets in the way. Identification means habit programs, habitual programs, based upon trying to find something, trying to, you know, what do identities get created by worldly dhammas? They're not necessarily that beautiful, are they? There's a certain pressure to achieve pressure to be good enough, pressure to get things done, pressure to be able to get through life. Understandable, but we don't want to bring that attitude, the business model, into our meditation practice. Can we change the channel to what can I tune into that's beautiful, that will carry me, and trust it, and give it time to unravel the shock and the distress and the agitation programs that are running in my heart and in my body. And I'm aware of all that. And I'm also aware that whenever any of those agitated programs or depleted, exhausted states begin to unravel, there's a sort of open. I'm aware of that. Sankara has ceased has stilled doesn't mean I'm dead 
but it means it's not vibrating and shaking it's just steady and smooth you can sense it it's vibrant there's an aliveness it's not numb but it's not doing it very much it's just being it has no particular aim it doesn't affirm you or reject you who you are is kind of irrelevant to that and that's a wonderful place wonderful resource to be able to drop into because it helps you get your identity and your personal world in perspective this personal identity world is not going to be a world that has resolution in it it doesn't get fixed you you move out of it you move through it you handle it carefully so the sankaras, if they're handy carefully, will begin to unravel. And there's awareness that's become, jitta has become purified of its defective agitations. Now, certainly we can still, we come out of meditation, we notice this is threatening, this is enjoyable. Yeah. But I don't know this complex inner psychology of, what I should be, and what I wasn't, and what I might have been, or what I hope to be, because that, where's that? That's an old store, that's an old residue, and these residues can be cleaned out till we're actually awake, alive, vibrant, responsive, but there's a cleanness to it. This is exactly what the Buddha said. Yeah, I mean, it's, excuse me, perhaps. <laughs> but it reminds me, put it when he says, you know, this is sublime, this is peaceful. The stilling of Sankara, the relinquishment of residues, Upadi, this residual program, this identity program. Yeah, destruction of craving, the drive, the hunger to get, to be, to find, to have, to know the hunger to be something the, the destruction of that that's dispassion ceasing Nibbana this is the deathless so in this sense of when the Sankaras settle still alive vibrant, open, then there's a purification. This is the deathless, the Buddha says, the jitta that is freed from upadi, or upadana. Now, you know, so we kind of get a sense of how this map, or this presentation of the subtle body, the inner body, the heart, or jitta, heart's the easiest word I can find for it but it's perhaps more far-reaching than our normal understanding of heart and the thinking mind how they operate because if your thinking mind is the last bit to actually get cleaned out it begins to change your way of thinking mm-hmm. difficult situation rather than whose fault why should I be this what am I supposed to do and what am I supposed to Thinking mind says, patience. Right, of course, yeah. Or it says, take a breath. Oh, yeah. It it, it begins the repository of wisdom. 
So, so you know, our, our vati sankara, which is the sankara of thought, is also tuning in to the messages that are coming from the citta, and it begins to be trained by the process to clear thought, to wise discernment, to appropriate guidance in the world of conditions. So we meet life instead of the I am, I'm not, I should be, I could be, who is she, why is that? To, it's a time, wait, what is needed is where's my feet? Oh, take a breath. Patience, equanimity, metta, sila, morality, very morality. You know, when you listen in to the the, the process you get samanyana, right knowledge, right knowing, samavimuti, right release. So this is these are two aspects of the tenfold path. You look at that in the great sutra on the great forty in the Majjhimi If you're interested in looking that up, so you know I think perhaps the thing we need to I like to keep reminding people of is that power and the availability of what I'm calling the subtle body. Because when I say subtle body, people may think, oh wow, where's that? It's really, well, only Ajans know that. I don't know anything about it. Yes, you do. <laughs> but, you know, everything that you can feel in your body is not a physical sensation. <laughs> yeah. It's to do with jet lag as a subtle body experience. It's just everything goes, subtle body gets confused. It doesn't know where it is. How you know you're standing or sitting is primarily a subtle body sense. So it's upright, it's lying down. How you know when you feel upset, when you feel frightened, you get tension and gripping. That's all that. These are all the... Uh, um, messages running in the subtle body. It's not always talking about bliss and happiness. It's talking about distress and anxiety and where it's got stuck, tension, blockages in parts of your body can feel really seized up. So all of our work is actually cleaning through meditative processes, contemplative processes, so that subtle body will actually present us with a much cleaner uh, informed intelligence that helps to guide the jitta. Yeah. And this is well, this is our our birthright as humans, and it's up for us to tune into it. Mm. Yeah. So what what is awareness? <laughs> it's not it at all. <laughs> There's no object. It's not an object. It's, it's what, what's happening right now is happening in awareness. There's nothing esoteric about it. But it can be the case instead of awareness of sights and sounds and touches, there's awareness of awareness. We, oh, the sankharas are still, instead of running out to this and to that, to what I think and how I feel, we just, oh, awareness is released into purity citta, vimutti jnana, anya, vidya 
or these terms are used to describe this experience. Okay, so I've uh, taken a little more time than perhaps normal. Um, I hope some of this is useful, and some of you it's probably quite late at night, and you might like to sit quietly and take this in before you conclude your day. Some of it might help to start your day, some of it might be a good way to shift into the evening.